Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you doing in the room today? Everybody good? Everybody good? Yeah, I want to say a big welcome to all of those of you who are with us online today. Thank you for joining us. Those of you who are out in the lobby or in our Fresca tent out there. Last week, it was pretty hot out there, and uh, we got an air conditioner in there now. So hopefully, like last week, we were having like a weight loss program out there if you wanted to shed some pounds or get some toxins out. It was, uh, we had that for you out there. So uh, hopefully it's not that bad today. We, we're so glad you guys have joined us. Thank you all for being here. Best Sunday ever. And we're already having a lot of fun. I want to give honor to Rick, um, who you just saw up here. There's, I can't tell you how many things this guy has done around here the last few weeks. So thank you, Rick, for all you do. We love you, man. Uh, I want to welcome everybody, wherever you're at. Um, we're so glad you're here for part two of our series called Save the Date, where we're talking marriage and dating and singleness and all all the things. And if you missed last week, we'd love for you to go check out um, the message uh, on our YouTube page uh, or at lifepointsa.com, which is our website, or or you can go to our podcast at wherever podcasts are, they're there as well. Um, The goal of the series is that no matter what um, your relational status is, Um, that you do that, whatever it is, uh, in a way that brings honor to the God who created you. That's the goal. And so today I'd love to just offer some, what I hope is wisdom, um, from my 51 years of life to all of the single people in the room, regardless of your age, regardless of your story, your history. Uh, I am the dad of two uh, beautiful girls, 120, 116, and and, and I, who I love so much and I'm so proud of. And um, so this is the kind of thing that I want them to hear and by extension, um, all of you a, as well. Uh, and, 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 and so some simple pastoral advice to anyone who's single for any reason today. And by single, I mean, you're not married. You could have a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or you know, significant other, but you're not married. Um, you know, one of the questions that, we get um, from folks is, especially people who are trying to get it, to get it right, is how, how do I find the right person to marry? And I think that's a good question. And obviously we have so many ways to meet people today that we didn't have back when I was, when I was dating. We didn't have apps. Come on, you couldn't swipe right or left or whatever. There was no Tinder or I don't know any of the other ones. Um, I don't know that one. Um, but... <laughs> Case it's bad. I don't know. It might be bad. And you're like, why do you know that? I don't know. I, I just heard it. Come on, back in our day, we didn't even have phones, y'all. We didn't have cell phones. Like some of you who are rich, you had like a brick that you attached to your face. But you couldn't meet any girls on, on there. Come on, right? Um, and, and so it's hard to know, like, how do I find the right person? Even with all the technology, it's still hard. I, I think it's a good question to say, how do I find the right person? I think it's a better question to say, how do I become the right person? I think this is the better question. And I think the reason this is the better question is because I, I, I also believe that it's true that in life we, we normally uh, won't attract what we want, we'll attract what we are. I, I think that's true. I, there's probably exceptions, but I think it's true that we attract who we are not wish what we wish we were, right? And, and that's either a good thing 
or that could potentially be not as good of a thing. Um, so this is why uh, if you're single, and this is my pastoral advice, you should focus on becoming the version of you that God had in mind when he created you, when he formed you in your mother's womb, according to Psalm 139, that you live your life with the singular focus of living holy, devoted to God, so that when people come at you, come on, the wrong people come up on you, right, um, to date you or they slide up in your DMs or I don't even know really what that means, but if they do that, 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 they, that whatever happens, wherever they slide up at you on, right, that your life will be moving in such a specific, singular direction that anyone whose life is not moving in that same direction will be in such conflict with your values, with your way of life, that they won't be interested in you and you won't be interested in them. And I think that's a good thing, right? So Andy Stanley um, who I've learned so much about marriage and parenting from, he says this thing, a good goal would be to become the type of person the person you are looking for is looking for. That's a lot, right? So read it slowly, okay? Because I know some of you haven't had coffee yet. To become the type of person, the person you're looking for is looking for, and, and, and I would ask you, if you're single and you're looking, not every single person is looking, but some of you are, what kind of person are you looking for? What are the qualities of the person you're looking for? And then say, instead of me looking for a person with those qualities, I'll focus on becoming a person with those same qualities. I think that's a good goal. I, I wanna bring three kind of big ideas to, to the forefront today. Um, one is just a truth I'd love you to embrace and two of them are qualities that I think are necessary um, if you're gonna move forward in, in your life. And th the first thing I want you to hear is that your singleness, if you're single, your singleness is actually a gift. It's actually a gift. So I would say to you, because I've talked to a lot of single people who get FOMO. You know what that is, right? I didn't used to know what that was. I thought it was a bad word. Like I grew up on the South Side, so I knew a lot of bad words in Spanish. That's the only words I know in Spanish, by the way, are bad words. Don't judge me, you know them too. Come on, somebody. <laughs> right? Like you don't get FOMO, fear of missing out. You don't get panicky. You don't get nervous that life is passing you by. You see it as a gift. You see it as an opportunity. Uh, in fact, if you study the New Testament, three of the major players in the New Testament, which if you're new to the Bible, that's our sort of second half, the new covenant that Jesus has come to bring us uh, of the Bible. The, the first guy, John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Jesus, he wasn't married. John the Baptist, pretty important guy. Come on, everybody. The, the next guy is Paul. We call him Paul the Apostle. Um, he used to be named Saul. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He becomes Paul. And he wrote two-thirds of our New Testament under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. He was never married. And of course, Jesus, uh, Christ, the Savior of the world, he was also single. You can do a lot of good things, everybody, single, Right? And, and so Paul, the same guy, he, he, as a single man, he's writing some wisdom um, to people who are married and then unmarried. Uh, you can see it in 1 first, first Corinthians chapter 7. All of this is like how you handle your relationships 
By the way, if you have never read 1 Corinthians 7, I'd love for that to be a goal for you this week, that you go read it slowly and, and learn from it. But here's what he says in verse 7. He says, I wish that all of you were, here's the quote, as I am. I'll tell you what that means in a minute. But each of you has your own, say this with me, your own gift, right? From God, I think I heard somebody say guilt. Uh, that's gift, FYI. <laughs> Glasses, that's why I have these. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has, uh, and the implication is that gift. And, and so when he says, as I am, he's talking about his singleness. It's exactly what he means there. The fact that he's single. And then, and then he starts talking about gifts, and the implication that he's giving us is that singleness is a gift. And I know some of you are like, well, right now I'd like to take that gift back. Okay, did, is there a, did it come with a gift receipt, right? But, but hang on, hang on. M most of the chapter is about how we handle romantic relationships. And then he gives all of this wisdom, especially towards the back end to unmarried people. He writes to unmarried people or single people. And he says, verse 35, he says, he says I'm saying all this for your own good. Not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. He's saying that while you're single, you actually have a chance to live in a way um, that is undivided. And, and, and he says in a, a couple other verses, he says, if you're a married man, you're going to be divided. Your focus is going to be divided. If you're a married woman, your focus is going to be divided just because that's what happens. But he says that when you're single, you have an opportunity to live in an undivided devotion to the Lord. That when you're single, you don't have kids yet. Some of you do, but not most of you won't, when you're, especially when you're younger. And, 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 and so you have a different kind of time and a different kind of focus, a different kind of energy. Now, here's what's true. Those of you who are single adults or you're young married but don't have kids yet, you think right now that you're so, so busy, right? And you're like, so busy. But anybody who's had at least one child goes, you have no idea. Can I get an amen from some parents in the room? Come on out in the tent if you're out there right now with your kids and you're, you know, you're trying to feed them snacks and aguas frescas, you know, right? Like you think you're busy until you have three children or nine or like, like Rick, seven. Rick has seven children, everybody. Anyways, he, that man's busy. Can I get an amen, right? What that means, though, is before you get distracted, before you get focused on other things, you have the chance as a single person to do more for God, more for his kingdom. So if you're single, don't freak out. It's a gift. So see the, use the gift in such a way that brings honor um, to the Lord. Now, two, two qualities now just to, to kind of uh, bring, just, this is pastoral wisdom. This is things that I want to say to my children, my two girls, by extension to all of you. Number one, I think these are foundational things. Number one, that you, 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 you need to find your security in life uh, and your identity in life from Jesus. Now, you're like, oh, no, no, tell us how to find the right girl, bro. Tell us, give us tricks to do whatever it is that you did because look at you and look at your wife, bro. Tell us how you did that. First of all, why are you laughing at me right now? <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, because it's right, it's true. Um, just just let's lean in for a second. Let's assume that most of you, 
uh, out there will eventually get married. Statistically speaking, it's still true that most people do get married eventually, right? And, and if that's true, and it may not be true for you because you may not want that, but if it is true, I think it's huge that you enter into that with the right foundations. Like if you're building a house, you're building a home, it's important that you start with the foundation. And, and one of the key foundations for, for, for healthy, happy marriage is that you are secure and that you have a clear sense of who you are and where, you, where God's called you in life. So if, you wanna, if you're gonna get married and you wanna have a happy marriage, I think part of that starts by you being secure, like you know who you are and you know whose you are, right? And, and, and in other words, that you don't go into a relationship of, uh, looking for somebody to fulfill you, to, come on, complete you, right? You go in fulfilled, you go incomplete because you're finding your security, your identity, your fulfillment in Jesus Christ, right? Now let's just have some real talk. If you've had a very insecure friend before, don't raise your hand because they might be standing next to you or sitting next to you, right? Or, or, or worse, if you've dated somebody who was deeply insecure, you know that's not a fun time. Come on. Everybody's terrified to say amen to that, right? Because what happens is deeply insecure people, a lot of times they're deeply insecure for a reason. Maybe they need to talk through that with somebody. Maybe they have some unhealed wounds, some unmet needs, but whatever it is, um, they, they often will be all up in your business all the time, constantly worried, nervous, afraid that you're, you looked at the wrong thing or you looked at the wrong person or what are you doing over there? Where have you been? And, and, and insecurity, deep insecurity, will choke the life out of a relationship. And, and it will breed a lot of mistrust that is often unwarranted. And, 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 and now when I say insecure, I don't mean a person that has insecurities, because we, come on, we all do. I'm talking about people who are deeply insecure because they don't know who they are. They have no security that comes from from knowing who they are in Jesus, right? I heard Pastor Craig Rochelle say this one time, and I think it's true. He said that insecure people need more um, and often settle for less. And, and let me unpack that for just a second. That insecure people, particularly in a romantic relationship, will always need more than, than anyone has to give, right? And because they're looking for another human being to validate their existence, to make them feel worth a worthy and worthwhile, and no matter how much you give, this is true, and it may be uncomfortable, but it's true. No matter how much you give, it will never be enough until they find security and identity outside of you, right? And you can't, you can't fill the void in them, and they will try to squeeze, they, they won't mean to, but they will squeeze the life out of you, and when they're truly insecure, and they, they often wreck relationships, and so they bounce from relationship to relationship to relationship, and they'll just settle for whoever's available because they can't handle being alone. And they have no security or identity apart from what another person can give them or from what they can take from them. And everybody, every one of us has known somebody like that, and the truth is some of us have been that person at points in our lives. 
And they can have that kind of Jerry Maguire. Do you guys, older people, you remember this where he looks at Renee Zellweger's character, I can't remember her name, and he says, you, come on, say it with me, you complete me, which is funny because that's, that's not possible. What, what I believe is that no human being can complete any of us. And I say all of that to tell you this, marriage doesn't complete you. Like if you think, hey, the finish line is when I get there, I get married, all of it comes together. No, no, no. Christ and Christ alone can complete you. Marriage doesn't make you whole. You should feel whole going into marriage if you want to feel secure. And if you're not secure and if you don't feel whole, you'll put a, a burden on another human being who is incapable of bearing the burden that you're gonna put on them, right? And so you'll live with unmet needs, you'll live with unmet expectations, and, you'll, and, you, and you could even bounce, 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 bounce from a relationship looking for the one who's going to complete you. And, and if this is you, if this has been your story, just take a time out and go talk to somebody about why this is happening uh, in your life. So this is why Paul, single Paul, writes in uh, Colossians chapter two. This is from the New King James. He says, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's saying that it's in, G in Jesus Christ, all of the, the fullness, the reality of who God is, was indwelling into Christ Jesus bodily. And then he says, and then you, you and I, we find our completeness in him, in, in Jesus, right? No human being can do this for you. You don't need to be married to be complete. You're not second class if you're not married. You are valuable. You are worthy. You are complete because of Christ, because of what Jesus Christ has done for you, has done for me on the cross of Calvary. Amen, somebody? So, so the, that truth means that you don't have to lower your standards or compromise your values as a, as a follower of Jesus to find love because you are already loved by the God of the universe. And, and because of who Jesus is in, inside of me, inside of you, his work, his grace, his forgiveness makes me a complete and whole person. And, and insecure people will always need more than you have to give and they will continually settle for less. But secure people, on the other hand, they need less, but they expect more. Now, meaning they're not needy, they're not looking for somebody to fulfill them but they have high standards. And, and I want to say to all the young people, all the single people, you should have high standards for yourself. And, and I wish I had an amen from some moms and dads right now. Right? Like, you know, I get asked a lot how I got Rachel to marry me. This, this happens to me a lot. And, and I should feel insulted, I know, but I don't. Right? Well, number one, I didn't always look like this. Can I get a witness from people <laughs> who get less good looking over time? Come on, somebody, right? That's not the point, though, right? I should feel, I should feel insulted, but I feel complimented. Because, listen, um, the Lord called me at a young age to follow him. He saved me. He gave me confidence in who I am. From the scriptures, I learned that I'm fearfully 
and I'm wonderfully made. I, I, I learned this, and, and I learned early on what God called me to do. I got a vision for my life at 18 years old. I got a sense of, of what I was supposed to do. I didn't know have all the details, but I started pursuing God. And, and, and when I met Rachel, uh, even though she was quite a bit younger than me, uh, train up a child in the way she should go. And when she's, anyways, that's, it means something else, but I like that verse anyways, right? But, but she, was, she was secure. She knew who she was. She knew where she was going. I didn't complete her. She didn't complete me. We were both complete and fulfilled because we are in Christ, Ephesians tells us over and over again. We are in Christ. We are heirs. We are joint heirs with Christ. And that confidence that we had from knowing that, living in that reality, became very uh, uh, attractive to both of us. And when you recognize that you have been forgiven, you have been called, you have been chosen by God, you, that you're, worth, you're worthy because he says you are, there's nothing to feel insecure about. I don't have to settle for less than God's best for my life. I don't have to settle for somebody who's not going my way. I'm secure in Christ, so I have high expectations for anybody that I'm going to involve myself with. And, and so the second thing, so, so we are secure in Christ. We find our identity in Christ. I think if you start there as the foundation, I know it's preachy, I know it's churchy, but I think it's right. The, the second thing I want to tell you about a character is that you should you, you, characteristic is that you should focus on having strong character. Strong character. This one's huge, but let me tell you why it gets overlooked so much. When you're single and you're looking for the right person, or you're looking for the next person, whatever your your your, your situation is, we tend to focus on personality and looks, and body, and charisma, and charm, or come on, money, <laughs> that's a good one too. Show me the money, right? Let's go Jerry Maguire all day long today, right? Show me the money, but, but we miss character. And character, okay, I'm 51 now, so I think of things differently now. Somebody who's 20 years older than me will think differently than I do right now, but character is more important than all of those other traits that I just mentioned. I'm not saying, I'm not devaluing those traits, I'm just saying character is more important. But what happens is, we don't understand that when we're younger. We understand it as we get older, but we don't understand it when you're younger, we get out of high school, we, we go off to, to work, we, go, we join the military, we, we go to college, whatever it is, and we start thinking, hey, this is my time now. Like I was under the roof of my parents, now I'm not. It's time to partay. Come on, somebody, it's time to partay. It's time to sow, I'm gonna use an old phrase, but it's, it's time to sow my wild oats to have all the fun before I get married because after that, the fun is gone. And the married people are like, Psh, you just don't know. It's about to be partay. I don't know what to say to that. I, I, I was gonna say something cute, but I, I don't have it. I don't have anything, right? I, I, I'm, I'm going to say marriage is a lot of fun, by the way, FYI. And, and then we say, like, like when, I, when I settle down later on, I may come back to Jesus and the church thing again, but right now it's my time to live how I want, to do what I want. I'll get it back later on. But, but here's what I want to say to you. I want to assure you that you can't build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. 
Like you think someday I'm gonna just magically turn something on. You're building a foundation that you're gonna carry into a marriage. You can't build it on a foundation of sin. What you're doing today, single people, I specifically wanna lean into the younger versions of you right now. What you're doing today is going to impact your tomorrow. You can sow wild oats, you can partay, it's gonna come back in, in the next iteration of your life. I, I've, I've said some of this before, but I wanna give you two verses. I wanna unpack them a little bit, and I wanna give you some specific applications that go along with them. These are both from, from the wise man, Solomon. And before I read them, he uses, in both verses, he uses the word prudent. And just this, this notion of prudent from the Old Testament is a, is a person who understands that all of life is interconnected. Like the past, the present, the future, all has connective tissue. Each one impacts the next thing. A prudent person understands that what happens yesterday, the wild oats that I sowed in the past, um, they, they grow into something, right? Um, and, and the prudent person understands that if you're doing things in a certain, if you're going in a certain direction right now, that is a pretty good indication of where you're going to end up. So, so Solomon says, Proverbs 14 and eight, the wisdom of the prudent is, say this next line with me, everybody, everybody outside, come on, say it with me. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their, to their ways. Now, let me tell you what ways are. Ways are behaviors. Ways are patterns. Ways are trends. Ways are habits. Ways are what makes us predictable to our parents, uh, uh, to our kids, to our teachers, to our coworkers, to our bosses. We all have patterns. We all have habits. We all have ways. Yes or no? Right? And here's what he's saying, that the wise person, the, the future-oriented, the prudent, to use his word, person, gives thought to their ways. In other words, they, they pay attention to how they've done things in the past, how they're doing things now. They, they, they pay attention to the past because the past, they understand, informs the present, informs the future. They pay attention to how they've managed things because the prudent person knows that the best indicator of my future behavior is my what? Is my past behavior. This is true, whether you, whether you like to acknowledge it or not. If you wanna know where you're gonna end up someday, what you do is you look back and see where you've been and you've, you discover what the path that you're on because Andy Stanley has this principle of the path thing. It's not where you wanna end up that determines where you go, it's direction. Direction determines destination not intention, right? So, so then he says, this is the second half of the verse. He says, but the folly of fools is deception. So the prudent person pay, gives thought to their ways, but the folly of the, of the fool um, uh, is deception. Now, confusing back end of that verse for sure. But I, here's what I think he's saying. That whereas the prudent person, the future-oriented person is constantly examining and evaluating his or her ways, patterns, habits, behaviors, trends, the flow. The fool, on the other hand, doesn't pay attention at all to any of those things. The fool thinks, you know what? Regardless of, 
of how my life has gone up until now, regardless of the mistakes I've made with money or, or decisions in the past, regardless of my current habits, somehow I think that some way a light bulb is going to switch on and magically things are all just going to work out regardless of my ways. Now, somehow, I don't know how, I don't know when, but there's no point in evaluating my past, my present, and Solomon says, that person is deceived, right? And until they become prudent and start to examine their behaviors, their trends, their past, they will continue to repeat over and over and over again the same mistakes. So the next verse is even more to the point. Proverbs 14, same chapter, but now we're skipping to verse 15. The simple believe anything. Now let me explain what he's going, where he's going here. Single people, I, I've, I've warned you about this before. When you fall in love, in that first season, you will believe almost anything that comes out of that other person's mouth, right? Because as we've said before, Science says that we get a ton of dopamine, come on, short for dope, everybody, to the brain when we're happily having a brand, like when we're in a new relationship, we're excited. So it means that you're basically stoned a little bit for like for three months. But it's not illegal. Come on, somebody. You're not going to jail. We're so in love and we have our favorite song and we finish each other's sentences. So everything is going to always work out for the best. Sorry if I cracked on you and you just found out that you have a song. And your parents are going, yeah, but does he have a job? <laughs> and you say, he doesn't need a job because we have a song, right? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but what's her track record? Like the, the last girl, you know, guys that she dated, doesn't matter all the boys she dated before. She just hadn't met me yet. And when we hold hands, they fit together perfectly. We both had butterfly tattoos before we even met. <laughs> See, what happens when we fall in love, part of what happens is we lose a little bit of our mind. Come on, somebody. And then as we get older, we keep losing that same piece over. And no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Right? It's totally true, though, right? We'll believe almost anything. So, so we don't pay attention to the patterns, the habits, the trends of this person, this guy, this girl, and we think it's just always gonna work out because we love each other. And Solomon is like, hey, I'm all down for love, but do a background check. Come on, somebody. Hire Magnum P.I., right? Tom Selleck, anyways. Right, the the person, the prudent person is like, show me your path. The the in-love person says, I'm just gonna focus on your potential. No, no, no. The wise person goes, no, no, no. I'm going to pay attention to your ways, right? And, and so then, th- then he's, here's the second half of the verse. The simple believe anything, but the prudent person, right, give thoughts to their steps. Now, why is steps important? Because steps are how you can see where somebody's going. And you can see where they've been, Right? And you can see the character of a person when you examine their steps. Paths are the best indicator of where a person is headed and will probably end up. 
And this is true of a person you might consider dating, but it's also true of you. And so you can think about it like this. The paths people choose in life trump the commitments they make. Because everybody can make commitments, but can they keep the commitment? Everybody can make a vow, but can you keep the vow, right? And so so 51-year-old pastor saying, hey, listen, I want you to commit now to becoming the person you're looking for is looking for so that when you say I do, you can actually do. Does that make sense? So what does character look like last few moments here? What does it actually look like? We could go a lot of places here, but I'm gonna go to one passage. Paul, again, has a protege, a, we call him a son in the gospel, named Timothy. He writes pastoral advice to his son in two separate letters, First and Second Timothy. In First Timothy 4.12, he says, hey, Timothy, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. But notice these words, but set an example, notice this, set an example for believers in five traits. In speech, say it with me, in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Let's take all of them quickly. Speech, what, just what comes out of your mouth. The things that you say, the things that you should say, that you don't say, the things that you shouldn't say, but you do say. Uh, all of that's indica- indicative of what's happening in your heart. Jesus says to the Pharisees in Matthew 12, he says, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. What's in you comes out of you, right? So we pay attention to how people talk and what comes out of our mouths. The second thing is he, he says conduct. And this is our actions. This is the way we, this is our paths. This is our steps. This is our ways because our ways often speak louder than our words. Third is love. This is about how we show love to other people how we treat other people, whether, we're, whether or not we're kind and gracious and thoughtful. And I would argue if you're on a date with somebody, you, you pay attention to how they treat your waiter or your waitress. Because if they don't treat them well, chances are they'll eventually not treat you well. I'd pay attention to how people drive in and out of this parking lot. <laughs> I hear of honkings and hollerings. Hey, everybody, we're doing the very best we can. Just, just throwing it out there. Faith. Are we growing in faith? Are we maturing as believers? Are we owning our faith? Are our lives centered on Jesus? Is the person you're considering, are their lives centered on Jesus? The Bible talks about not being unequally yoked. What, what does light have to do with darkness, right? Like, listen, if we don't own our own faith, listen to me, younger people. If we don't own our own faith, we're going to get owned by the culture in the world. We're going to get owned by that. And this stuff is huge. We're paying attention. Fifthly is purity. This is huge, a huge part of character, sexual integrity. What's incredible to me, and maybe it shouldn't be, but what's incredible to me is how few, even Christian young people have boundaries as it relates to their sexuality. It's like nothing matters anymore. Like ethics about what we do, what we don't do, what we'll involve ourselves in, what we won't just don't matter because I go to church and I, I sing the songs and I sometimes you know, volunteer, but we, we lack boundaries. This is just pastoral. I want to tell you that's not right. God's standards for our sexuality, whether you're single or married or whatever, is incredibly high. Listen, incredibly high. So Paul 
It says in Ephesians 5, verse 3, it says, but among you, amongst the believers, there must not even be a what? A hint, not even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are what? Improper for God's holy or set apart people, right? Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather the words we say should be about thanksgiving, speech and purity in one passage. This is the standard if you're going to be single and dating is that whether you're single, dating, or married, we do it in a way that honors God to the one who created us and initiated our very being. And this is about Christ's character being formed. This isn't about behavior management, everybody. This is about the character of Christ being formed so that the fruit of the Spirit comes to the surface in life. And Paul says not even a hint, meaning don't see how close you can get to the line. You know, when I was a youth pastor for 14 years, everybody's like, hey, pastor, what's the line? Like, what can we get away with? I get that. I was a boy, you know, young man. I was like, tell me, can we write it down? Could I see, right? But Paul's like, no, 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 no. So it goes back to Timothy in second, this is the second letter, second Timothy 2.22. And he says, listen, flee what? Youthful lust. So, so run away from that, but run toward, pursue righteousness and faith and love and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So see how close to sin we can get. Let's be the kind of people who have self-control. And you say, well, Danny, what if I've already done all that? Listen, we can't control what happened then, but we can examine our ways, examine our past, and listen, and turn. Turn away from that and turn towards these things. From this day forward, I can't do, I can't undo what I've done. There's grace for that. There's the real, there's the ideal. Remember, we've talked about this. There's the real and there's the idea. There's a gap oftentimes. There's grace for the real. But Jesus is going to continue to point us towards this. This is the best way forward. So I've heard people say, well, once I get married, all of the lust and all the problems that I've had will go away. No, no, no. You'll just be married and still lusting and, 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 and your character. If your character is jacked up going into marriage, you're just going to put a ring on that thing. Marriage, single people, was not designed to solve your problems. In fact, it doesn't solve problems. In marriage, the great things get better and the bad things can get worse. You know why? Because marriage is a magnifier. It just zooms in on what was already there, for better or for worse. So if you want to marry somebody with a strong character, I would say to you, develop a strong character. You're going to attract who you are, not what you want. So if you want to marry somebody with a strong character, let God start working on you now. We're not cleaning up later for when the real life happens. This, the part of life that you're living right now, this is your real life. The right now part of your life is the best predictor of the kind of person you're going to be later on. So become the kind of person you're looking for is looking for. And if you say, Danny, I have gotten some of this wrong, I would say back to you, so have I. So we do what David did in the Psalms. In Psalm 139, 
Verse 23, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart and test me and see if there is in, any, in, in my heart any offensive, here's the word he says, way. If there's any offensive way in me. And then he says, once you show me that, then he says, and then lead me in the way, there it is again, everlasting. Help me to see the ways that have been offensive. Help me to turn from the ways that have been offensive and then lead me in the way of of, of righteousness in the way everlasting. And then he says in Psalm 51, it's the prayer when he sinned against, against God with Bathsheba and he says, create in me, verse 10, he says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew within me a, a right spirit or a steadfast spirit. And so I would say to those of you who have, just like me and just like every one of us, have made some poor choices in the past, you can beat yourself up for it or you can bring it to God. Amen, somebody? So I want to pray for you, all the young people. We're going to come back and do this again next week. We're going to just keep unpacking this next week. But I want to pray for you, young people, single people, whatever your age is, those of you in the out there, those of you online, that God's best for you is what we've described for you. I'm telling you it is. So Lord, thank you so, so very much for uh, the word of the Lord, the words of Solomon, the words of, of Paul, the apostle, Lord. And I just pray, God, that your word would um, be hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's what David said. Hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Lord, for those of us who maybe want to be married someday, God, I pray that we would start building the right kind of foundation here now. Not, not later, now. Wherever we're at, whatever our past has been, whatever's happened in the past, there's grace, there's forgiveness, there's mercy, there's newness of life for people who want to walk in it, God. And we can call on you and we can ask you to be the forgiver and the healer of our sins, God, the, the healer of our broken places. God, and you do that, you will do it immediately. God, I just pray that anybody who wants to, to, to say from this day forward, haven't gotten it right, but from this day forward, I want to walk in newness of life. I just pray that we, we, we turn it over to you, God. We come to the foot of your cross where you offer grace and mercy and healing and help and hope. And we'd surrender our hearts to you and we'd give our lives to you, God. And we would say, God, from this day forward, I'm, I'm following you. I'm turning away from that and I'm, I'm turning towards this, towards you. I pray you give us wisdom and strength and grace in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Hey. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.